Thank you very much, Evan, and the worship team. What a great day to just worship our Lord and Savior. And thank you very much for being with us, uh, both in person and online. We are so uh, grateful that you are here with us today. Today, I have a very special message for you. And to help me with this very special message, I have a very special prop so if you'll just give me a moment, let me go grab my special prop for our special message today. I have it back here. It's right over here. Uh, I'm not real sure. Maybe it's over there. I cannot find this thing. I know I've looked everywhere, and uh, I know it can't be too far because I just had it this morning. So I know it's somewhere nearby. Um, I'm not sure. I will find it. Have patience with me. Uh, there it is. Hey, my special prop. <laughs> Actually, this is my special prop. This is my twin brother, Ron. Hello. <laughs> He's a minister also at a church, and, and uh, I asked him to come and help me with the message today. So my name is Ron, and I'm a minister at the Western Hills Church of Christ in Cincinnati. And I'm John, and I'm uh, right here uh, at Venture Christian Church near Indianapolis, and we're here together. Yes, uh, first time to do this. So... Uh, we were born to Bill and Janet Vance 63 years ago. Matter of fact, uh, my, oh yeah, there's a picture. What we looked like when we were a lot younger, we were cute back then. I'm not sure what happened to us or at least what happened to you. But uh, yeah, I was born four minutes, or I was born first, then four minutes later, to my parents' surprise, John came along. Now, I don't know if you noticed or not, but we are actually identical twins. We are identical. Uh, <laughs> The main difference has been, uh, for what, the last uh, 10 or 15 years, you have had a goatee. Right. Now you know why. Uh, some of you are like, John, are you growing a beard? Now you know why, so that we could uh, match for today. So we've always found being twins very fascinating. For example, I don't know if you know or not, but twins start communicating with each other at 14 weeks while they're in the womb. Uh, and so, you know, I guess they continue to develop a language. We, uh, we actually, when we were in elementary school, I don't think it started in the womb, but in elementary school, we developed a sign language together. And uh, we would use this uh, together. I, Ron, I, am I in the right spot? I you am. Are. <laughs> Do you still remember some of I, I remember language? some of those uh, letters that we came up with and words. Okay. If I'm old and ugly, you are too. Don't forget that. Yeah. We loved fooling people when we were growing up. When we were in third grade, we were in the same class at school, and uh, we would both go to the pencil sharpener at the same time after we uh, gave each other our little sign language, what we're going to do, and then we would go back to the other person's seat. So we always had fun fooling the teachers that way. Now, when the teachers discovered what we were doing... They had a, actually a meeting with our parents and said, I think it's time to split these guys up. <laughs> and so what, starting fourth grade, they moved us to different classes. But that didn't stop us because now we started switching classes. To, uh... When we were in high school, we were doing it pretty regularly all the time. And usually the teachers thought it was, uh, they, well, first of all, they did not know what we were doing. But if they found out, usually they thought it was pretty innocent fun. So we never got in big trouble. Now, some twins have taken this way, way too far. I, I read about uh, Ronald and Donald 
Anderson. Okay. I guess uh, they took swapping to a whole new level. Donald actually went to jail for his brother multiple times. Wow. Mm, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I got an idea here. <laughs> so a lot of people ask, do twins have that ESP? And we've always wondered about that also. So we're going to try an experiment this morning. John, I want you to think of a word. And I'm going to think of a word, and we're going to see if we can communicate that word to each other, and we'll say this at the same time. So, are you ready? We'll see. Okay. One, two, three. Catawampus. What? It we never works out. That. Maybe next time. Yep. Okay. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> we had this all a skit, little cute little skit. Okay. One of the on. biggest requests that we always have. Uh, through the years, is playing a piano duet that we learned back when we were in junior high. Uh, that was many, many years ago. But we're actually going to try to do this duet for you this morning. Uh, it's a duet that, you know, pretty simple, but one that's a lot of fun. It's called Changing Places. Yeah, something doesn't sound right. Reverb? Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Yes. <laughs> okay. Sit down. One, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, four, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, four, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. <laughs> One of these days we'll get through that whole song without making a mistake. Now you know why I'm not on the worship team. <laughs> oh, hey. One of the things that we did as twins when we were seniors in high school they asked Ron and I to preach at our youth service. And we thought, well, let's go ahead and let's preach together at the youth service at our home and church. And we decided to pre uh, preach a sermon about twins in the Bible. I know. I'll get there. Okay. Just okay. want to make sure you don't so, forget. So we did the, the first set of twins in the Bible, Jacob and Esau. And we did a sermon on them uh, uh, together. So that's why we thought, well, let's do a sermon together again. 
Uh, I think it's the first time in a number of years. Uh, and we thought it would be appropriate to teach about another twin in the Bible. Uh, now, you would never know that this guy was a twin because there's no stories about his twinhood in the Bible. You don't see any of that. And we don't meet any twin brother or sister. But we know he is a twin because his name means twin. The Apostle Thomas. The Apostle Thomas uh, was introduced to us uh, mm -hmm. in the book of Matthew, chapter mm -hmm. 10, verse 3. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they only, they talk about Thomas, but we don't ever hear any stories about him. It's not till we get to the Gospel of John that we begin to see the picture of Thomas's life. And they do give us a, or John does give us a second name for and Thomas. I will get there. Okay, get don't want to make sure His you don't forget. His second name is Didymus. And here's what's interesting. Thomas in the Hebrew language means twin. And Didymus in the Greek language means twin. So even though we are twins, we're born on the same day. We were born on December the 7th, night. Well, I don't care about the year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was not during the World War II. <laughs> not but that old. It's a day that will be remembered for infamy. So uh, we are pearl babies. That's why I always tell people also. But even though you know, uh, we have the same birth date, John, I am still four minutes older than you. And he does look a little bit older, doesn't no, he? I don't. <laughs> but you will always be my little brother. So there is actually good reason to believe that Thomas was the second born twin also. Back in Bible times, when, uh, when a twin was born, first of all, very unexpected. You know, uh, they knew they were going to have a child, but when a second child came along, that was always a big surprise. Because of that, they usually did not have a name selected already for that second child. What they would usually do is just call that child twin because they didn't have a name. And then time, uh, sometime later, they would actually give that child a more appropriate name. Thomas was a little different. They never did give him a name. They just called him twin the rest of his life. It would be like uh, instead of calling John, naming John his name John, we, my parents should have just called him twin or better yet, Ron's brother. I think that would work. <laughs> so what you're saying is you kind of like this idea that, I do, I do, I do. That if, if when I was born, when after you were born, I came, our mom and dad, instead of giving me the name John, they just said, and this is Ron's twin. Yeah, that seems to work okay. Yeah, I don't know that I like that. I like that. that. <laughs> I don't like that. Well, I guess uh, I have to tell you, I really do appreciate Thomas, though. He's a good man. He's a very good man. And he had no name, and his parents just called him the twin. Hey, twin. Um, and that can have a negative effect on a person, but Jesus, listen to me, Jesus saw something really special in Thomas. And Thomas was different, he was special, he was extraordinary. And that's what I want to talk about today. Thomas's life of courage. Thomas's life of courage. Thomas, you know, had this courage. Uh, Thomas, uh, Jesus chose Thomas to be one of the apostles who ended up changing the world, okay? And in the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 11, we really see the courageousness of Thomas. 
Uh, in chapter 11, that's the story of raising of Lazarus. Well, before we get to 11, you need to understand what happens in chapter 10 to get the full impact of this story. So in chapter 10, we see that Jesus is in Jerusalem and he's preaching uh, and teaching. So the, the Pharisees come up to, to Jesus and said, okay, Jesus, tell us who you really are. We want to know who you are. And Jesus said, well, if I tell you, you're not going to believe me anyway. He finally says, okay, I am the son of God. And the Pharisees did not believe him. Matter of fact, they wanted to stone him. It's at this point that, that Jesus escapes from Jerusalem. And so he uh, goes to another area. Uh, and while he's there, he learns that his friend Lazarus is sick. And so uh, he tells his apostles that I need to go back because my friend needs me. And this is when the disciples then said to Jesus, you can't go back. You can't go back. They will kill you if you go back. You see, Lazarus lived in Bethany, which was about one or two miles outside of Jerusalem. And, and they knew that, that, you know, the next time he goes back, they will get him. And they, they were right because the next time Jesus set foot in Jerusalem, that's when he actually dies on the cross. So they were right about that. But Jesus said, I got to go back anyway. I got to go back uh, because Lazarus and his sisters means that much to me. Now, I want you to notice something. A bold statement was made. And it was not by Peter. It was not by John. It was by Thomas. He said, let's go back with him. Ron, read that for us. Yeah, let me read uh, John chapter 11, verse 16. It says, then Thomas, called Didymus, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, thank you, let us go that we may die, die with him. Very powerful. Oh, that just speaks volumes. Let us go so we can die with him. That just speaks volume about Thomas and, and, uh, and how he was able to overcome the challenges in his life and become someone of great, great importance. But John, you need to realize, you know, uh, it shows that Jesus is the one who can change lives. He's the one who can take a second-born child, a nobody, basically, and make something out of that life. Absolutely. <laughs> but John... There's one more thing we cannot overlook when we read this story about Thomas. He had a nickname. Most of you guys probably know what that nickname is. He was known as the Doubting, Doubting Thomas. Thomas. Yes. Even or ever since uh, that time when he made a fool of himself before the apostles. And then later on uh, before Jesus. He has always been for centuries known as the Doubting Thomas. Uh, we find that story in John chapter 20, starting with verse 24. John, why don't you help me read this passage? Sure. It says, now Thomas, called Didymus, Didymus, thank you, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, well, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here in my, and see my hands and reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. So, oh, that's yours line. I'm sorry. You're supposed to say that part. <laughs> my Lord and my God. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. <laughs> you know, all these years, he's been known as the, you know, Doubting, doubting Thomas. Thomas. Yep, don't forget, Doubting Thomas. Do doubting Thomas. But I, uh, I really do like the Apostle Thomas. I do. I really do. He's a twin. I like this guy. But I feel like the doubter is such a negative, a negative approach. I, I'd love for him to have a nickname that shows his courage and determination. Hmm. Maybe Determined Thomas. Not doubting, but determined Thomas, you know? Hmm. I, I kind of like, okay. like that one, you know? And I like that for several reasons. First of all, Thomas was, was not one who was easily influenced by a crowd. He didn't just follow the crowd. He, did, okay. um, he never, you would never hear him say, you know, well, all my friends are doing it or, or everyone, everyone is, else is doing uh, this, going this way. When Thomas heard that Jesus rose from the dead... Even though all the apostles said, yes, it's true, it's true. When Thomas heard it, even though it was the greatest thing that he could have ever heard, but he could not bring himself to believe it. He couldn't just say, well, it must be true because my friends are saying it. He could not do that. And Thomas was no wimp. And do you know what God hates? Wimps, right? <laughs> That's right. God hates wimps. Uh, and Matter of fact, people who cannot make up their own mind make God sick. Uh, look at this passage, Ron. Can you read this? Uh, yeah. Revelation chapter 3. Yeah, starting with verse 15. It says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot or that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Yeah, you know. Thomas was not just going to go with the crowd. But the other thing that I, I'm impressed about Thomas is, is how bold he was. This determined Thomas, you know, he made a bold request of Jesus. He said, you know, unless I can see and touch, you know I what? cannot believe. What? Thomas had real guts there. Matter of fact, he's trying to take his hand and uh, tickle those. Uh, well, Stay okay. Stay away. Okay. <laughs> so Thomas, actually, he wanted the whole truth. Do you understand that? He wanted the whole truth, and the only thing that would prove it to him is to put his fingers in the nail prints and put his hand in the side. Okay? And tickle his guts. And to, and to his surprise, Christ said, let's do that. Yeah, he granted him that. Well, you know what, John? I think I came up with a third reason why maybe we should call him Determined Thomas. He was determined to follow through with his decisions. When Jesus appeared to Thomas and exposed his nail prints in his hands, his feet, his side, uh, we know that Thomas responded, my Lord and my God. But look at that next verse, what Jesus said. And this is very powerful also. Uh, when, whoop. Ron, you are skipping ahead. I'm going to stop for a second. Uh, we know that Thomas was very committed because he followed through with that. He eventually went to India. And then while he was in the India, 
He was martyred for his faith in the year 72 AD. So we know that Thomas was determined to even follow through. Good cover-up. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I know that we can, he's always been known as the doubting Thomas. And I know that us calling him the determined Thomas is not going to change anything. But uh, I want you to know the apostles also doubted. It wasn't hmm. just Thomas, all of them. The apostles' life of doubting. They were, you could actually say the doubting apostles. Uh, they doubted even when the women who saw Jesus came to them and said, we saw him alive. They doubted that. Look at look what it says in Luke chapter 24. Ron, can you yeah, read that Yeah, let me that read that. Uh, starting with verse 9. It says, when they came back from the tomb... They told all these things, this is the women, they told them all the things to the 11 and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they, the, the apostles, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. nonsense. Yeah, nonsense. crazy. You know, I just think that's fascinating they heard that Jesus was alive but it just all sounded like nonsense to the apostles they did not believe the women they did not believe Mary Magdalene James did not even believe his own mother and later on two disciples were on the way on the road to Emmaus and while there they again encountered Jesus they came back to the apostles to tell them what they got to experience to tell them that good news also but the apostles still had a hard time believing uh, then look at what happens when Jesus actually showed up. So in Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 41, I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. Listen to what this says. So while they were saying all this, Jesus appeared to them. That's to the apostles. And he said, peace be with you. They thought they were seeing a ghost and, and they were half scared to death. And he continued with them, don't be upset. And don't let all these doubting questions take over. He said, look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look, at, look me over from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bone like this. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And they still, listen, they still couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was too much. It seemed too good to be true. So here the apostles are. They're seeing Jesus right in front of their, right in front of them. And they still had a hard time believing it was true. John, I have discovered there is no shame in doubting. Matter of fact, with doubts come great blessings. And that brings us to the third point that we want to bring up this morning. You know, that you can have a life of blessings, your life of blessings. We need to understand that doubts come and go. Every one of us have had doubts. To doubt does not mean that you have lost your faith. If you find yourself doubting, which everyone has at some point, if you find yourself doubting, you have not re, uh, moved to the point of no return. So, listen, the, the reason that Ron and I are preaching this sermon and we're getting through this we have a very important thing that you need to understand, okay? I need you to understand, doubting can lead, listen to me, doubting can lead to healthy blessings. 
Let me say it again. Doubting can lead to healthy blessings, especially when you work out your faith. Now, you remember uh, what Jesus said to Thomas? And uh, this is where I started getting ahead a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. But Thomas uh, said that great confession, my Lord and my God. But look at what Jesus said to Thomas after he made that confession. Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 29, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And that's each one of us. Now we mentioned earlier that Thomas was not a crowd follower. (laughs) Even if all the apostles said he's alive, he wasn't going to just believe it, okay? He was not a crowd follower. He was determined, listen to me, he was determined to make his faith his own. And how often have you read people have, have uh, heard people say, uh, when the, you ask them about their, their faith, they'll say, well, I don't know, my, my family goes to church, I guess I, guess I, I believe also. Uh, they really have not made it their own. Thomas did not believe in Jesus blindly. He could not just follow the crowd. You know, I um, tell the young people, my church, uh, they need to make their faith, their own. If they uh, are a Christian because their family has uh, been a Christian, they've grown up in a Christian home, they need to reach a point where they do make that their own. If they don't, they're going to have some real struggles when they uh, turn 18 and they move away from home. Or maybe you're a strong or you're a Christian because your home church is a strong uh, church that has helped you in your Christian life. But again, you do not make that your own. You're going to have struggles also when eventually you move away from that area or go off to college. You need to make your faith your own. Now, I have some good news here, okay? Because uh, God gave Thomas the proof that he needed. Jesus was right there and said, touch my hands, touch my side. God will give you, listen to me. God will give you the proof you need as well. He offers himself to you. If you are having a hard time believing, Jesus says, look at me, see me, touch me, hear me. I will answer your questions, but you got to seek me. You got to seek me. You know, if you read through the Bible, you see that God did this for, for many, many others. He did it for Moses in the burning bush. He did it for Gideon with the, the fleece. And, the, and uh, Elijah with the still, small voice. He even did it for Thomas with his hands and his feet. And he will do it for you also. That is a promise that God has given to us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. To doubt demands a response and an action. As Jesus said to the apostles, don't let your doubts take over. Ask, Ask seek, seek, knock. That leads to the greatest blessing of all. So many of you, I know, have doubts now and then. And, and even right now, you're going through some difficult times in your life. Maybe sickness in your family. Or death in the family. Maybe a loss of a job. Family trauma. Divorce. COVID-19. COVID-19. You know, all these things will just so often cause you to have questions. Or maybe 
nothing like that's going on, but you just have a hard time believing. That's okay. You know, some of my favorite authors that I enjoy studying and reading actually started out as doubters. They started out doubting Jesus Christ. I, I, I think about, uh, I think about uh, Lee Strobel. He started a research and Jesus answered his questions. Lee Strobel uh, was an atheist. He wrote the book, uh, The Case for Christ. He was a journalist for the uh, Chicago Tribune. But he decided to put Christ to the test. And in doing so, he was convinced that Jesus was real. And that Jesus uh, was true to all the claims that he made. Uh, he even wrote a, a, a small book called The Case for Easter. Where he says, this is why I know that Jesus died and rose from the grave. A case for Easter. Folks, listen. If you need help overcoming doubts, I have a copy of this for you uh, out at the Welcome Center. I want one. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> you know what? Another author by the name of Josh McDowell followed a similar uh, uh, path in life. He started out doubting also. But in his investigating, soon discovered that all the things that Jesus claimed were true. He wrote a powerful book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, uh, which proves without a doubt that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be and uh, that he is God's son. Another book that uh, Josh McDowell and his son Sean uh, put together is called More Than a Carpenter. And again, it is very powerful also. Uh, we have these available back at the Welcome Center when, you're, uh, when we're uh, dismissed this morning. So if you want to get one of these also, those are, those are available too. I want to invite you to see us afterwards. We're going to be out in the lobby. Come and talk to us, and, and we have a book for you. Am I up? Uh-huh. You know what? <laughs> if you are questioning your faith, it's uh, very common uh, everyone has to go or has gone through that at times. But if you are having doubts of what you believe, you are not alone. You are not alone. Matter of fact, you're in good company. Even the apostles doubted. So, Ron, I, some, of, uh, some have heard me say this, but let me, let me tell all of you again. I have even had doubts. I have even had doubts. I was a preacher at a church. It was my very first preaching ministry. I was preaching at New Hope. Uh, and I began to wonder and have doubts about my own faith. I didn't know whether it's because of my strong family and church heritage why I had my faith. You, uh, our, grandpa, our grandpa Jasper was a preacher. <laughs> we had three uncles that were preachers. Yeah. Uncle Dale, Uncle Bill, Uncle Paul. We grew up in a very, very strong church. It was a very strong, with a very influential preacher. And to not be a Christian, listen to me, to not be a Christian would have been going against our heritage. And so here was my question. Am I a Christian because it's the only religion that I know? It's the only thing that was presented to me? Or am I a Christian because it's the truth? Do you understand what I'm saying here? It was at that point that I had to make faith my own. And so I, I uh, 
That led me to a five-year search that concluded with my graduation from graduate school. My special project that I did uh, was called Faith as Being Sure, based on Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it was 13 lessons on why I uh, know that my faith in God, in Jesus, in the resurrection, in the Bible, in creation, and so much more was absolutely true. <laughs> and here's the cool thing. Jesus invites all of us to know him. Ron, read for us what it says in Revelation 3.20. Yeah, uh, Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Thank you. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Listen to me. I don't know what all of you are going through, but I pray that all of you at some point will make your faith your own. The reason Ron and I came up here and at times stumbled through some of these things, we had a reason. Because <laughs> we want you to know that if you ask, if you ask, and if you seek, and if you knock, Jesus is just waiting for you to open that door. It is time that we move our doubts into blessings. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for today. God, thank you that, that Ron and I could develop this message together. And that we could share our own lives and our own experiences. And thank you, Father, for just reminding us that, that you love us. And you see great potential in every one of us. And God, all we have to do is come seeking and knocking and asking. And, and God, you will help us to strengthen our faith. You will help us to move our doubts into blessings. Thank you for Thomas, this twin. Thank you that, that at times he was stubborn, at times he was courageous, but in everything, he became a blessing. Thank you, Father, that we've been blessed with his story today. May we grow in our faith today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.